Hey everybody, Heather and I are back I'm, for a bonus episode. I'm back! She's back, better than ever. She's yes. not pregnant anymore. Yes. We have Annie um, napping. Yeah, if you hear little grunts and squirms, <laughs> and that's Annie. So There may be a moment or two where we have to pause, regroup, and get back to it. Yes. But anyway. Such is life. So. Such is life. Um, today we're going to talk all about our experiences leaving those jobs that we hated. So if you go back to episode one, in my first season, you'll kind of hear briefly about these stories. And those were more, or that episode was more focused on community, how that impacted Mm -hmm. our community. Mm -hmm. But everybody was really interested in hearing more about why we chose to leave our jobs, what kind of situations we were in, I think discontentment in your job, in your 20s especially, Mm -hmm. is very common. And a lot of people are experiencing that and could use a little bit of advice. I know when I was going through this, I would have loved an episode like this. Mm -hmm. So we're here to talk about that today. Um, We thought we'd warm up with talking about a a show we've both been really (laughs) shamefully loving. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, Virgin River. Anyone heard of it? Not that there's anyone here to actually respond to me, <laughs> but Heather and I love it. Yes. Um, it is a, I would call it like a Hallmark movie in a three-season show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my mom told me about it, which if that tells you anything, <laughs> my mom's obsessed with Hallmark movies and, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I love a good Hallmark feel-good Christmas movie, but mm-hmm. man... She was like, she when she was in town helping with Annie, she was like, oh my goodness, new season of Virgin River's coming out, gotta, gotta watch. And so, you know, I find myself in the middle of the night, like, breastfeeding one night, and like, I don't have anything else to watch, so start it, and then just cannot stop, and I'm like, Tori, have you been, wa- have you watched Virgin River? She's like, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, the answer's yes. Me and, and Christian love it, we can't get enough of it, and then I'm just uh-huh. like, <laughs> she, she was ahead of me, though, so I feel like I was always texting her, like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this acting, this character, this, that. It's just something, you know. It's Oh yeah, it's definitely an interesting show. Um, like Heather said, it's a Hallmark movie, but in a TV show. I will say the main actress is great. Yes. I, re- I truly do think she's yes. really good. Um, but the <laughs> supporting cast. So, my favorite thing, and we're not going to do any spoilers. We're only going to talk about this probably for a couple of minutes. But <laughs> my favorite thing is like... The, the love interest, his name is Jack. He owns Jack's bar. Yeah. He's this burly man. They try to do these intense moments where, like, he's just kind of staring. <laughs> and I don't know necessarily if the message is supposed to be like, oh, Jack is in intense thought. Or like, oh, Jack is in love. Or whatever. Like, But it's always the same stare. And it's the kind of stare... Like, if you were woken up at 2 a.m. to your glass breaking, it's yeah. like, that's the kind of person and stare that would be looking at you in a very dark, terrifying moment of life. Um, so that's my favorite part of the entire show, is it'll be like, um, what's her name, Mel? Uh-huh. Mel will say something so sweet, and then Jack will just be staring. And it's like, <laughs> do you want to kill her? Yeah. Are you in love with her? Yeah. Yeah, the way the show goes, it's like, it could really go either way. You never know, yeah, honestly. It's very true. So, like I said, we're not going to um, spoil anything <laughs> other than just the fact that it's pretty cheesy. Yes. Um, oh, my gosh. But it's good. It is. I, I love that. My favorite are, like, the little, like, 
nosy women that are in the town. They're, like, kind of older. Always men. And, yes, and they're so dramatic. Like, not in a good way. Like, no. they're it's Bad like, acting dramatic. Oh, my gosh. They'll be, like, like, one character, Hope, she's, like... <laughs> she's, like, oh, my gosh, Jack, you told me a secret. How can I not go tell everyone now? Why would you put that on me? Like, is that not a spot-on impression? No, it's really, really good. Um, That's a really good impression of her because... It does seem like the most dramatic thing ever. <laughs> Hope is told confidential information. It's as though they're like blackmailing her, yes. but really they're just like, "Hey, Hope, this happened," and she's like, "What am I gonna do now?" It's like, "Right, I have to go tell the whole town." Keep it a secret, Hope. <laughs> Don't be a hoe, Hope. Anyway, you should go watch Virgin River if you just need to like have that show on your own. I don't know. Christian likes yours, so she likes to watch it with you. But mm-hmm. Cody came in and, and saw me watching, and he's like. So what, what's the premise? Like, are there, are there any virgins in Virgin River? I was like, no, Cody, that's the river. And he was that's like, the river. Oh. Uh, so. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But, but I would recommend for, honestly, for a guilty pleasure, if you need to watch something in the middle of the night or, mm-hmm. you know, Tori, you know, you might want to go rewatch it when you're breastfeeding. It's a great breastfeeding show. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> or I guess, hey, if you hate your job and you need to just there you go. tune out right. and get home from a long day of work. We would suggest. We would suggest Virgin River. <laughs> sponsor me. Sonic, please sponsor me as oh, well. Oh, yes. Cherry I mean, we're still trying to make that happen. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So anyway. Really just needed to talk about that. Yes. Needed a good few minutes. You all needed to know about it. Yeah, for sure. If you're not watching, now you are. We've got, we've well, now Netflix needs to sponsor you. Yeah, I mean. Come on, Netflix. I mean, I definitely have enough followers for that. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, all so right. we'll actually get into it. Okay, yes, um, Amy's asleep, so we should go. Heather, do you want to share, like, do you want to start with your bit? Sure, yeah. So we're going to basically first kind of talk about like a quick little five minute overview, mm-hmm. like what job we were in mm-hmm. and just why it wasn't a great fit. And then we'll share the evolution of like, I don't know if I like this. What do I do yeah. to like how we actually decided to quit? But this first little bit is like, just help me understand what the job was mm-hmm. and why you felt like it wasn't the right fit for you. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, my background is in music education. That's what I studied in college. Um, then when my husband and I moved to Colorado, um, I started off working in a preschool, but I wanted to get a job in music cause that's what I studied. Um, so I, I taught kindergarten at first in a preschool with a music degree, which is very interesting. You should go back and listen to the whole story of how I like had to drive a short bus and I was like 22 years old and took these kids on a field trip and it was just... Yeah. So that was job number one. Job number one. And that one was like a poor fit. Right. But like But nine. could could manage. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was kind of like a like a stepping stone to what I wanted to do next. But I still it's kinda of like I got a taste of like, okay, maybe I don't like being stuck in a classroom, but yeah. I just it wasn't what I had studied and like my um my just, I guess, tendency would just be like, well, I did this, so I, then I do this, you know? So it's like, I study music, so I need to, I need to do a music job. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just don't know what you don't know. So yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, pursued finding a job within the public school system, and I did, and got hired on. Seemed really great, great opportunity. Um, was really, really excited about it, and um, yeah, so get in it, and it's, um, it's a low, it's a low income school, um, very high need, um, district puts a lot of, um, things on you that really don't allow you to like teach music. So, 
um, kind of things, all that kind of came together to make me just kind of realize, okay, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overworked, um, I'm extremely upset at the situations that I'm seeing here, um, mm. behavior was hard to manage, um, you know, admin had a lot to put on us that it was just, it was almost impossible to reach those expectations. Um, and so all of that, yeah, just kind of turned me off from <laughs> the job. And I found myself like a few months in just being like miserable and like looking for a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so unfortunately I just found myself in a position where it's like, okay, wow, I studied this in college. This is what my degree is in, but oh my gosh, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. Anymore. Um, so, yeah, so I ended up leaving and I, you know, I go into detail in our episode, but, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but yeah, yeah that's kind of like the elevator pitch of what my job was, um, kind of briefly why it wasn't what I thought it would be and why I decided to leave. So, yeah, I mean, it does sound like the um, environment that you were in was a big contributor. Would you say it was also like the role that you weren't loving too? Some, yeah, and it's like you look back and you're like, what is it, like, you know, it's like yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty of what you saw, and maybe it's like if I was in a different school or a different district or all that stuff, like, who knows, but yeah. I wasn't, and so that's the situation I found myself in, um, and I obviously believe, like, the Lord wills everything, you know, to happen for a reason mm-hmm. to get you to where you are now, and so... Um, but yeah, like if it, if it was a different situation, maybe would I still be in music? Maybe, I don't know, but it wasn't and I'm not, so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll share kind of mine. Yeah, go for so, it. So, Heather was in education, mm-hmm. I was a nurse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> both, both fields where you can be extremely overworked, underpaid, mm-hmm. underthinked. Underappreciated. All the things. Yeah. I felt that to my core. Um, I was particularly in a nursing specialty mm-hmm. that I did not like. Um, I had tried a couple of different things at this point too, but this specialty was just not for me. Um, so I had been there for almost a year and was super miserable. Really, really unhappy. The kind of thing where your stomach is sick every morning Mm because you're just filled with dread and Mm -hmm. it's impacting all of your relationships and it's just the worst. But the objective kind of reasons why I felt like the job wasn't the right fit for me was that um, it was highly repetitive and I'm someone who loves variety. Mm -hmm. I need it. I crave it. And if I'm doing the same thing over and over again, I feel like so trapped, Mm -hmm. so miserable. It was really hard. In addition to that, I had very little autonomy, um, and it's really important for me to feel, like, significant and feel like the education that I had was worth something, but in this particular environment, I felt very insignificant, and I just felt like I was following orders all day, and that is, once again, something that doesn't meld well with my personality, and then I would just say, too, it was challenging in a lot of ways that just weren't motivating for me. It was yeah. only draining um, because of the challenges. So I love challenge. Like, you know, I started this whole podcast yeah. from scratch with, like, you know, just my own research and everything. I, I love a good challenge. But um, if it's not a motivating challenge, then that really sucks. And yeah. like you, we were really overworked. COVID was a really big factor as well. I mean, I was working yeah. in a hospital during 2020 for crying out loud. Um, yeah, I can't imagine being in a school during COVID. I, luckily, uh, I wasn't. But yeah, it's like, yeah, that sounds horrible too. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. 
it was really hard. We were very understaffed. Um, and in addition, you know, we didn't have proper PPE and a lot of that stuff. There were days where I wasn't getting lunch until two or three. Um, and it was, it was a lot of like physical stress. Mm -hmm. I like could not sleep. Um, and when I was there, I was so drained. I would have like these low blood sugar spells because I just wasn't able to eat anything. Um, it was impacting a lot my health and just my relationships. So it was really hard. So I was just really unhappy. I was not fulfilled. And ultimately, I would say it probably made me feel a little depressed. Yeah. Um, it was really, really hard. So that's kind of my situation. Um, we just wanted to make sure to share those little recaps of the specifics so you could kind of see into our world mm -hmm. before we go deeper into a world that you don't even understand the yeah. basics yeah. of. Um, so now that we've kind of done that, I think we should just go ahead and share our stories. Okay. So from, like I said, I don't know if this is the right fit. I don't like this. Yeah. All the way to deciding... Or signing your resignation letter. Yeah. Do you do that? No. You just send in a resignation email, huh? Yeah. Well, no. Like, for education, it was a, you know, are you signing or rejecting for next year, you know? So there you go. Like, yeah. So walk so. us through that whole process. Yeah. Um, so I guess it kind of, like, starts back in college, obviously. Uh -huh. I went to... And I, I'm trying to remember if I said this. I was so pregnant then, and now I'm so sleep-deprived. So if I'm repeating anything from the first one, I'm sorry. But maybe it's helpful if someone doesn't listen. But It's fine. Um, so going into college, like, I did music and um, in theater all through high school. Loved it so much. Like, really was like, I'm going to Broadway, and I'm going to, like, that's going to be my career. I don't want a family. I don't want a husband. So Met weird. my husband, and it changed everything. I was like, well, he wasn't my husband in high school, but, you know. Thank God. He, yes, but I did start dating him then, and I was like, I actually really like this guy, and I might want to change my plans. But anyway, don't change your plans for a guy. Unless they're really awesome, like Cody. So, anyway. It wasn't for him. That's true. He just came in. He and just influenced, your life. and I said, he, he came in my life, and I said, I cannot live without you. So, there it is. There it is. Um, anyway, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to college, and what I, what I want to study is what I like. Like, I love music. I love, I mean, my, my choir director was like a mom to me. Like, she poured so much into me she's like I think the reason that I stayed at the school because she came and like changed all the arts programs and that's what I was into I didn't even want to stay at my school because mm -hmm. of that um and so yeah so she was a she was a choir director and I was like I think I could be a music teacher like I think I could you know I was like okay maybe do high school maybe do elementary school I don't know and you know figured that out in college but I was like okay, I think I want to do music. Um, and I love, I love, always loved working with kids. So I was like, I think this would be a great fit. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it might have been. I don't know. But uh, like, like I said, circumstances can take you interesting places. But um, so, you know, went to college. I actually started off as a vocal performance major and then switched to educate like music education because I was like, ah, it's probably more like a stable job, uh, maybe. Um, and so studied that, had a really hard time in college just because I didn't read music. I didn't, I had little classical training. I just like loved music. I did some voice lessons and stuff in high school and like, you know, all the plays and stuff like that. But like, I really had no business doing a classical like program where <laughs> I couldn't even read music. So it was like, I had to, I was so behind everyone. So I had to work so hard. Um, and which was fine. It was, it was hard, but it was rewarding. 
Um, and so, you know, of course you work, I mean, especially in my case, work my tail off to just catch up and be like with people and to be at someone else's level, like that has been maybe like reading music since they were kids, like Mm -hmm. be at least at their level, like when I graduate in four years. So it's like, okay, I really worked hard. I, I have got to get a job in this, you know? And I, and I, my family, they, my parents both like went to school for their profession and that's what they've done their whole life. So that's kind of was like what I saw, obviously. Um, not that they pushed me in that direction or anything, but it's just like, that's how my parents did. So that's what I do. Um, and it's like, you work so hard. You want to, you want to use that degree. You, you remember that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Come hell or high water, you're using that degree. Yeah. Um, and so I get out and like I said, I, I land here in Colorado after I graduated, um, and at least try to find an education job. And like I said, I wish I would have maybe listened to the red flags that I kind of saw, um, there cause maybe wouldn't have ended up, you know, being so miserable in the next job, but it's like, what were some of the red flags that you wish you would have seen? Totally. Uh, I think I noticed that I was very unhappy being stuck to one place all day. Um, and in, like, and confined to one room all day, um, that it, I, I like to be a little bit more like, you know, free and move about my day. And like, if I need to go do something this, but it's like, you know, with, in, if you're in charge of a class, like you've got to be in the classroom at these times, you can't even go to the bathroom without someone else coming and watching your class. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you have to go to the bathroom and there's no one that can come cover you, you're just, you're there until someone can. So it'd be like maybe an hour and an hour and a half sometimes before I could like get a coverage yeah so which is like I mean that's awful for anyone but it was just it felt it made me feel really trapped and like you said like I think I feel like I have a little thing like that too like I like to be a little bit more creative with my days and like I don't know I just don't want to feel trapped in the place so that was definitely a red flag um I, I felt drained at the end of the day because I just gave everything I had to the kids which, that's every teacher's story, honestly. I think some just probably handle it better than I did. Well, if, um, like, if it feels really, like, fulfilling work and you're just tired from giving yourself, that's different from just feeling drained because you did something all day that right. is not fulfilling to you right. or just doesn't feel rewarding. Right. And it was like, I was teaching kindergarten, which was not what I was, like, I knew nothing about that. I mean, I had education courses, but... My main focus was music, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, that was fun and interesting. But anyway, so I, sh- I wish I kind of would have noticed those red flags and said, okay, these things are going to transfer to the next job, even though it's not the exact same subject. It's in the same kind of field. So it's like I wish I could have noticed that. Um, but, you know, of course, you're young. You're excited. You're like, I'm going to do this. This is going to be my career. You're just pumped. And so you just push forward and you ignore or at least I did. And so well, I also think like it's good to give it another shot in a different oh yeah school and teaching a different subject. Like that makes sense. You want to Exhaust- make sure to give it multiple tries. Right. Exhausting your options to just make sure like, okay, is this not for me? Um, and so yeah, so I get a job in the school system and like I said it was a um, like a pretty high need school. Um, it was ninety nine percent free introduced lunch, so Pretty low income, pretty high need, um, which, I mean, there, there's a lot of blessings that come from working with kids like that. Um, you just get to be that positive light for them and all that stuff, and I, I loved that aspect of it. I really did, but it also is really, really hard, and it's why they, like, give you incentives for working like at schools like that. So, like, my paycheck looked great because I had, like, on top of my base pay for a teacher, it was like I had 
you know, these incentives that the district would give you for working at this school. Mm. Um, and so I was like, when I'm interviewing there, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to give me a job for music. I'm going to like make way more than I thought I would as a first year teacher. Like, this sounds great. Like they show me my room, all my resources. Like it's great stuff. It really is. It looked really, really shiny. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wish I maybe would have done a little more research about the school or like asked around a little bit more, but like I said, hindsight's 2020 and I was just, you know, bright eyed and ready to use my degree that I worked so hard for. Um, and so, you know, I get into, I'm, I'm preparing all summer. I like take some extra cert classes and different music, like styles of teaching and stuff. Um, and just, I'm so excited to get going. I'm like working on my room for weeks leading up, getting to know everyone. Like it just seems awesome. And then, you know, reality quickly settles in. Students start showing up. Um, really, really hard to manage. They didn't, the district had so many <laughs> stipulations put on all teachers, but especially uh, interesting standards that specials teachers had to follow where it made it almost like even impossible to teach your subject. Mm. Um, and so, and it was just, I was a first year teacher in this high need school with, I mean, it just felt like I would get just like mounds and mounds of extra things I needed to learn or work on or prepare for just like every single day. And I also remember too, um, my principal in the meeting, like one of the first meetings, she said, a lot of people say, don't sweat the small stuff. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, but here we sweat the small stuff. And I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a ride we're about to take. And yeah. so... And it's true. Every little thing they sweated about. And they, you know, there's just so many standards in, like, the public school system that you have to, like, hit and maintain because you're getting all this funding. And yeah. I don't know. That's a whole other... stuff is just based on metrics and exactly. benchmarks and things. Exactly. Um, and so I was just like, this is not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. I feel so just burdened by my days. I feel trapped again. I was actually, I was in a worse situation because I was in an interior room with no windows. So, you know, in winter when you uh, have to arrive at school around 7 a.m. and then you don't leave because the teachers don't have a 40-hour work week, you don't leave until like 5 or 5.30 because you're prepping for the next day, you go to school, it's dark, you, you're in a classroom that doesn't have any windows, and then you leave and it's dark. Mm -hmm. And that's depressing. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I felt trapped again. I felt extremely overwhelmed. I felt, uh, I, I had a lot of, like, feelings that I had in college of just, like, why do you think you can do this? Like, you know, just a lot of those, like, voices in my head of all that stuff of, like, you're so behind. Like, there's so much better music teachers than you. Like, you're terrible. And, which is, you know, its own problem to deal with the voices in your head. But it's still, it's yeah. just, I was at such a hard place and felt so, I don't, I don't know, just... I felt just desperate, like, to survive, honestly. And this was in the, like, the first two months of school. Mm. I'm like, how do I make it through this school year? And then I'm getting at a point where it's, like, panic attacks are pretty normal, like, on a weekly basis at school and at home. 
I'm getting to a point where I'm crying every single morning on the way and then, hey Sonic again, I'm stopping at Sonic and crying over chili cheese fries before I come home. Sponsor us! Yeah, please, give me some chili cheese fries. Uh, and it's just, it was just a really sad way to live my life and I know my husband watched me and just felt helpless and I mean, it's just, I'd come home, I'd, I'd you know, eat something and I'd just get in bed and cry until I fell asleep and it was just a horrible way to like live your life. I just felt mm-hmm. so... I felt so trapped. I felt so desperate. Um, I felt like I was failing every day. Um, and that's just, that's just no good, honestly. And, and it's sad because a lot of people at that school felt like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just my position. And um, anyway, yeah, so that all kind of led me and led people in my life to look at me and say, why are you doing this? Like, you should get out. And I'm like, but I, I knew... I knew that, but I also knew for myself, I, I'm, I am kind of stubborn sometimes. And so I knew if like, I, I did, if I quit or if I left or if I gave up, it would almost like do more damage for me. Yeah. And so you said that in the last episode and I, as your friend can understand that. Yeah. But try to explain that for people who may not know you as well. Totally. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I was just, I was raised with pretty like high standards of like, I, you need to, follow through with everything you do. You need to be a consistent person and all that stuff. And I don't think leaving would have made me, would have made me that. Like I, my mom was, and my dad were like, you should leave. Like, you know, so it's not like no one, no one was putting it on me, but it was like, I I just kind of sat down and I just felt like if I don't see this through to the end, I think I will just live with I don't know. I think it was also the students too. I think I was like, they, they had a different music teacher, like, each year, like two years before me. And it's like, if I leave these kids halfway through the year, like what is that going to do to them? And I was just like, my administration, it would put them in a bad spot. So I think it maybe was a lot of like people were were relying on me. And then also I was like, I I feel like if I, if I walk away now and don't at least finish like my contract, I would just, I feel like I would just sit with feeling like a failure, which I don't think is necessarily true. And I think I could have overcome that. But I was in such, like, a bad headspace in that spot. That yeah. Was, like, that just felt like the only way to, to deal with it. Yeah, at the time, yeah. risking feeling like a failure and letting down your students and your coworkers and all of that was not worth it. Right. Compared to, I can just endure this and create a better exit strategy. Exactly. That yeah, and sense. that's the thing, too. I had no exit strategy. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, you know... Thankfully, I, I was married, and so I, we did have another, like, side of income. But even though we had another, you know, source of income, we were still both at the beginning of our career. And he couldn't, like, we, I need, we needed the job to pay the bills, yeah. you know? Like, like 23 or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. We were just, I mean, my husband was just at the beginning of his career. I was just starting mine, you know? It was like, you start at the bottom. You know, you start at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't even really in a position where we could do that, Um And so, yeah, so those were kind of the factors that made me stay. Um, And then it comes, I think it's it's around probably almost Christmas break. And we get our letters to, to, you know, say, are we coming back the next year? I don't know why they do it at Christmas, but they do. That's really early. (laughs) It is, yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting here with this letter on my desk. And, you know, my, my parents are aware I'm miserable. My community is aware I'm miserable. Everyone's like 
we want to support you, but we, but we also like, we want you to get out and like try something new. You know, it's just, it's just tearing you apart. And then all the things I said for why I couldn't, but I look at the letter and I'm saying, okay, it's almost Christmas break. I'm about to have two weeks off and maybe I can rest and recover and like get a game plan on how to move forward. But I'm going to sign this letter and say, I'm not coming back next year. And I think just doing that and knowing there's an end date and I'm pushing hard to like do a good job at my job, but also start looking for my next thing. I think that gave me the ability to push through, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I finished out. I did. I made it to May. I was able to like find a little bit relief of just like signing that letter and knowing like I'm gone at this date and, um, yeah. And, and date really is everything. It is. When you know that your suffering is only temporary. Right. Right. And some people can like, you know, if you're not in education, like you give a two weeks notice and you're, you know, you're, yeah. you can leave. But it's like, I had to get, I basically gave like what, like a five month notice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but even that was just like, okay, I don't have to worry about them rehire, like wanting to make sure they rehire me next year, even though I, I consider myself a person of high integrity and I, I, I did, I didn't, I didn't let up. I tried as hard as I could. I didn't, I didn't stop at that point, but it was like the pressure felt off for all these standards, all these things. Like my, my performance wasn't going to like impact my pay the next year, like all that stuff. So it just gave me a little, a little bit of relief to get through the last few months. Um, and then, yeah, from there, and then I was able to have an, like an open conversation with my supervisor who was extremely supportive. And I like, can't say that enough was really wanting to help me find something else. Um, cause he was just a really awesome person. Um, still had to put all the like pressures on me because that someone was putting pressures on him, but mm-hmm. really, really, really supportive supervisor. Um, that helps a lot. Yeah. That wanted, that wanted good for me next, you know, cause we had built, we built a relationship, you know, through those first few months and then continuing. And so that was helpful, but yeah. So then I started looking and, um, you know, praying a lot, just asking like, Lord, what's your will for the next step? Because apparently mine is horrible, obviously. Like, my plan is terrible, and it keeps failing. So, like, I was just at a low, low point where I was like, Lord, you just tell me what yours is, and I'll just do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and, and it worked out because it always does. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's kind of more in detail of, like, what led me to the decision to leave, what what kept me around till the end of my contract, and then, like, I guess how I found the the courage to leave and try something new. So yeah, absolutely. Does that, does that answer all the questions? No, I think it really does. <laughs> okay. And I'll just say now, like you're in a job that I think is just such a better fit. Yeah, Heather does uh, basketball classes for like three to five year olds, yeah. and she gets to go to different schools, so you're yes. in a different environment. Mm-hmm. You get to still love on kids of mm-hmm. all different social classes and things yeah you get to be energetic and have all that fun but you also run your own franchise so you don't have the pressures from administration who are just needing to kind of check their boxes Mm -hmm. you're not controlled so it's so encouraging that you found such a better fit than where you were and it makes so much more sense why you're thriving and you're loving your job now compared to how miserable you were when you're in a, a box that you did not want to be in. Right. Totally. I mean, it's like you can, you can go to school and you can study, you know, something and you'll, you'll still use that degree. Like it, that wasn't the hard thing for me. It was like, 
okay, so I just walk away from music and I do something different now? Like, what? <laughs> it was just hard to wrap my brain around. But, I mean, I feel like that's the beauty of uh, today. And, like, I feel like our generation, too. It's like they're not, we're not afraid to, like, go out and kind of take what we've learned in college or, you know, just in life. You don't even have to go to college to, like, be really successful these days even. And so it's like mm-hmm. we can take the skills we have and we can transfer them around to different different areas. So yeah, I feel like I took the things I learned obviously in education and, um, in college and stuff like that, but I can tweak it to have a better fit for my personality. And it's like, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even known that to try to study something like that in college. Cause you yeah. just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So, and we're like a lot of this conversation, um, like from my followers who are like, I want to hear more about this, where this all started was when I shared something from my career coach that I uh, got help from and I might butcher it. I'm sorry if I do, but it said something to the extent of like, don't let, you know, four years worth of education keep you miserable or trap you or, you know, something like that for 40 years or whatever. Like, just don't let the idea that you worked hard on this degree and you paid for this degree keep you from or keep you tied to a job that's just going to make you miserable for a really long time and I loved that right a lot of you listeners loved that as well um and yeah I think you're stepping out from you know your more traditional uh role with the kind of education that you had is the perfect example of that it's like don't let what you were educated in just keep you tied down to something that's making you super miserable. Yeah. So Yeah. Get creative. Look at your skills. Look at what you learned and see if it can apply to other things. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I think we talked about a lot when you mm-hmm. when you were leaving yours. I mean, I feel like I said that with you. I said, let's like think about what you've learned and what you've got, like what your skills are and let's see what that transfers yeah. to. Yeah. You told me, uh, figure out your marketable skills. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And move forward from there. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Thanks for sharing all of that. Of course. Now I'll kind of share my side of things. Yeah. Um, I feel like you're such a good storyteller, by the way. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> um, so for me, I started this new job that I was also very excited about. Yeah. You, you talking about... How you were like, oh, maybe this is going to be the perfect fit. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when you, I, it was either that or another nursing one where we, you were at my house and you got the acceptance. And I, oh, yeah. I pulled out some Prosecco and toasted. Oh, no. We were so excited. Remember? Okay, yeah. So that was this job. We were both so excited. Yeah, that was this job. We were mm-hmm. so excited. If you didn't understand, Heather, which I feel like somebody may have not just understood what you said. Sorry, sorry. I got real excited. <laughs> I, I remember our excitement. I got, I, I got my call that I got this job. And I was over at Heather's, and I hang up the phone, and she hands me a flute with <laughs> Prosecco in it. Yeah, I don't just keep Prosecco in my fridge either, so I don't know why I even had that. Yeah, but. I don't know why I had that either. Um, for, your, for your celebration. We were really excited, yeah. and for me, this had come at a really good time. Yeah. Like, I oh, had yeah. been looking for a job for a few months after going through something really, really hard, and I was really excited. This yeah. seemed like a really, really good fit for me. Um... But I was really disappointed and really sad to feel like within the first, kind of like you, first couple of months, I was questioning already. I was like, I yeah. I knew I didn't absolutely love it. Right. Um, and nursing, thankfully, is one of those industries where 
there are so many different things that you can do. You can do labor and delivery. You can Mm -hmm. do ICU. You Mm -hmm. can work in a clinic. Like, you can do so many different things. I knew the area that I was in. Um, I didn't absolutely love, but that's okay. Like, because you can always change later. And I also knew this is a totally new environment for me. So maybe some of this is just learning a new job. Like, maybe it's just hard because... I'm just having to learn how to do a completely new job. Right. Steep learning curve. Yeah, for sure. So I just decided, like, I can't give this attention. I'm brand new here. I'm just got to put my head down mm-hmm. and not really worry about how I feel about this job right now. I just have to learn it. I have yeah, to do a good yeah. job. If I worry too much about, do I love this? Do I not? Then... Which I think how a lot of people start out their mm-hmm. jobs like that. Yeah. You kind of have to. Yeah. Um, right. Because you've never done it. Yep. So you're like, I yeah. Know. And I wanted to give it a full chance too. I was like, you know, maybe I won't love it now, but maybe I'll love it, you know, in six months or something once I have my feet under me and my rhythm and all of that stuff. Um, but I had been doing it for a while. I think when I really started considering, like, should I leave? I'd probably been there for eight months or so. I don't know, around that amount of time. And I had my rhythm. Like, I knew what I was doing. I was doing a good job. Um, and I was pretty positive at that point. It's not, it's not just learning this job anymore. It's, it's the job itself. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it was a lot of repetition and very little autonomy and, and these things that really clashed with what motivates me and keeps me excited and engaged. And at this point, too, I was like starting to lose sleep and not feel well. As you were talking about, there's like a turning point where you get miserable, yeah. like miserable. Yeah. And for me, that looked like, oh, my gosh, I would wake up almost like every hour so stressed like, that I missed my alarm. Yeah. And that's unlike me, truly. Yeah. Um, things like that. I, I wasn't I wasn't getting sleep because of that. I would feel sick every morning. Um, my stress levels just felt so high all the time that I felt like I couldn't really come down mm-hmm. from that, even when I had days off. And that was really hard. I would, like, be hanging out with my friends and have a pit in my stomach, mm-hmm. even though I'm enjoying my time with my friends, have this huge pit in my stomach because oh, yeah. I knew I had to go to work the next day. Oh, yeah. And that was that. awful. It was affecting everything. It felt like all I talked about, I was like trying to get advice from people all the time or people could just tell that something wasn't right and they would ask how I'm really doing. Yeah. Well, then, it's all consuming when you when totally you feel is. that way. It just... There's no way to not let it bleed over and over. Because people yes. will be like, just compartmentalize, you know, go do your job and then do this. But it's if you're at that point, you can't. You just can't do yeah. that. Yeah. I was able to, I feel like, in the beginning when I wasn't certain what was going on. But right. once it was like, you know what? This isn't the right fit. Yeah. I'm really unhappy. It, it was totally all-consuming. And yeah. one of our friends, Kirsten, she has her background in counseling she told me like we're not designed to think about ourselves this much Mm -hmm. so like of course you feel like shit (laughs) like you feel like garbage when um you're talking about yourself in your situation all the time because that's not how it's supposed to be we're designed to be in a state where we can think about yes our own situation but others how to serve them how to love them how to enjoy others and I was not in a place where I could even do that. And that's saying a lot because relationships yes. are everything to yes. me. Yes. You were not yourself. No, I definitely was not. <laughs> I remember 
I don't know, maybe even just a few weeks after I quit, you mm-hmm. told me, you're like, Tori, you're just so happy. Yes, I'm like, <laughs> my happy friend's back. <sighs> Which I would, I would walk through that with you anytime, but I loved seeing you happy. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because I didn't realize that that part of me had kind of left at mm-hmm. the time. Because um, I wasn't, I mean, I was purposefully trying to like not talk about it not let it affect me yeah but it was and that was a huge indicator for me that like okay consider quitting right (laughs) but the hard thing for me was once I started considering quitting the lies that I was really drawn to believing was like oh you just don't know how to work hard Mm -hmm. like you're just lazy Mm -hmm. um you're never gonna be happy if you can't just stick with this job things like that and so worried that people would just see me as a quitter and that all my friends would be like, gosh, Tori just doesn't know how to commit to stuff. Um, I was really, really worried about that. And I felt that about myself too. Mm -hmm. I wasn't only worried other people would think that, but I was like having an identity crisis. Like, do I know how to work hard? I don't know. And the reality of that was like, Yes, of course I do. Because yeah. um, I, I did work hard. I showed up every day. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like I would show up and just, you know, kind of do the bare minimum. Like, I was always early. I would put in as hard of work as I possibly could. I had good relationships with my coworkers. Yeah. Um, so all that to kind of say, like, I had to really fight those lies. And I brought a lot of friends into that. So mm-hmm. that's what I kind of started doing was, like, seeking wise counsel on this. So Mm -hmm. you were obviously someone who was super helpful for me during that time because you had walked through something similarly within the past couple years and were able to totally relate. Mm -hmm. And that was really powerful for me. Um, And getting to see like you had left. (laughs) You weren't just miserable in a job. I think in our culture, it is more acceptable to stick something out even if you're miserable than it is to like leave out of a pursuit of finding something that's a better fit. At least, like, our parents' generation, I think, kind of pushed that on us. Yeah. Um, And same thing. My parents were like, just leave. But I was like, I can't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, the things we put on ourselves. Exactly. (laughs) When people... That's why you need people from the outside. That's why you need ding, 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 community. Community. (laughs) To speak into what you can't see. Yeah, absolutely. A mirror that actually shows you, like, what they actually see from the outside. Yes. So, leaning on community was extremely important for me in making that decision. If it were left up to me, I'd probably still be there because I would be so concerned with not being a hard worker. Yeah. Things like that. But having those voices Mm -hmm. from community telling me, this does not mean you don't know how to work hard. This just isn't the right fit. Yeah. And if you're really this unhappy, finding something else is totally warranted and you should do that. Right. And that was really, really freeing for me. So once I kind of knew, okay, these are just lies. I'm not going to like give these a lot of weight. Um, that really helped like a ton. So that was one big thing that helped me kind of turn the corner Mm -hmm. to like, okay, I should think about quitting. Like, I really should quit. And then, in addition to that, I did not have good support from my management, Mm. (laughs) unlike you. Yeah. Um, It's hard. A lot. Most, most, it's the case, it's that case for most people. mm -hmm. I I feel like that was the exception. Yeah. It was a huge bummer for me um, because the first thing that I considered doing was switching to a different specialty within my own hospital as well. And um, I interviewed, they loved me, and I was pretty excited about it, but my manager 
said no. She said, you can't, you can't do that. You can't transfer and I want you to stay for another year or so before you do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I gotta think about that. Um, uh, yeah. But I ultimately too was in this place where I wanted to start a family soon. Yeah. And I knew that like pushing this through for pushing through this for another year was not gonna be a great mind space headspace for me to be in when trying to start a family. So that helped make the decision for me because I was in a place where I was like. If I push through this for another year, it's not going to be good for anybody. And with what I want to do outside of this, starting my family, blah, 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 this is just not going to work. So that definitely helped make my decision. And then in addition, like I was, like I said, working in a hospital during COVID. So that was really hard. So there were a lot of things that influenced my decision to leave. Ultimately, though, it wasn't the right fit. I didn't have good support to, like, make a transition within my hospital anytime soon. So that's kind of why I decided to leave. Yeah. So I just knew I couldn't be in that job any longer. Um, and at that point, I did feel very confident that I had sought wise counsel. Mm-hmm. I had been praying mm-hmm. this entire time as well. Yeah. And there was no reason to believe that leaving was a bad option. And similarly to you, I was I was in a position because I was married, that I had support, um, both emotional support, some financial support. Like, I was in a position where I could leave. And I do just want to take a second to address, that may not be the situation for everybody. Yeah. And if it's not, what I would encourage you to do is start planning an exit strategy that will work. Mm -hmm. But just know that I empathize that you can't just you yeah. can't just leave without that in, um, without that income. Like right. I understand that that is a privilege. So I don't want to say that lightly, and I also don't want to say that that should ever be a reason just to stay in something. Though yes, no, yeah, I agree. I, there's so many side hustles these days. There's so many other things can do, you know, and like or just trying to line up another job. But yeah. I think, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that we, we are married, so did have, you know, another source of income that we could, if we needed to, like, you could, but we could have done things like downgraded our house if, you know, housing if we needed to, or, like, uh, if we needed to, you know, do something about our car. You know, there's there's little things that you can do mm-hmm. um, to make it work, which, I mean, that's a, I, really, ultimately, like, even though we did, I did have another source of income, when I walked away and started what I'm doing now, we did have to make those sacrifices and we did have to pull back and say no to things Mm -hmm. and like look at our budget and all that stuff to like make it work and transition. Um, Right. So yeah. So there's still, there's still that there's still plenty of sacrifice that we had to make, but yes, aware that, you know, some people don't have that luxury of another, of another income. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I would have done if I was not married is I would have just started looking for different nursing jobs outside of, my own hospital at that yeah, point. Right. Um, because what was keeping me from transitioning to this other role within my hospital was my manager, but mm-hmm. she couldn't keep me from right leaving a hospital and yeah. doing a whole new thing. So mm-hmm. that's probably what I would have done or maybe pivoted and tried a clinic or, you know, something like that. So, um, I would just say, be, try to make yourself aware of all of your options. Talk to anyone and everyone that may have some sort of insight into some world that you might be interested in. Yeah. And try to make time for those things when you do have time and right. energy. Right. Um, Which is so hard. Like, yes. job, like me, I just remember being like, 
okay, I got to get all my work done for the next day so I can at least get my paycheck right now. But I, in my spare time, I'm, I'm looking for the next stuff. I'm applying for things. I'm mm-hmm. setting up interviews. And I did go interview several different places and like stuff like that before I decided, okay, I'm going to walk away and start my own thing. But yeah, I, I, I want to go back to, to the marketable skills. Like it's, that's, I think was really important. I kind of sat down and was like, okay, my degree's in this, but what did I learn outside of that? What can I take from that and put into different, um, different things? This is if you want to change your field, you know? So it's like, what can I do? And then I start looking for jobs kind of in those categories or I look for, you know, skill sets include and see if like, do I have any of those things that match up? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes if you're trying to switch industries or something like I was interviewing for like a, um, I like went to a second round interview for like a grad student advisor, (laughs) which is, you know, interesting. I mean, I had education, you know, kind of had some stuff, but I, you know, I was interviewing for that and it was like, okay, how can I make, how can I tell them, okay, this is what I studied for and this is what I've been working in, but here's how I can transfer yeah. those skills to this. Yeah, and what that's are a, transferable skills, essentially. Right, and that's something, too, that you can look down, you can sit down and, like, kind of start talking through with yourself or writing out. It's like, how can I show an employer, my next employer, how I can transfer these skills over? You know, because that's, yeah. that's the thing. You're trying to convince someone to hire you, obviously, and that you do the good job, but sometimes people look at your resume and they're like, what? you teach music and you want to come <laughs> be a student advisor what you know and so it's like you gotta yeah. sell yourself if you're trying to if you're trying to switch yeah absolutely I think it takes a lot of work and when you're in a place when you're exhausted by your job and you're really unhappy yeah. any amount of work on the side is really yeah. exhausting but I would say it's worth it like right. it's worth it to put in that time because it's all a part of getting you out of the situation that you're in yeah. and I do believe that, I mean, I don't necessarily even just believe, like, I know that there are so many single people or people who are married who are still within very tight financial constraints that are still able to put in their two weeks notice because they found something else that's going to be so much better. Right. So put in put in that time and effort with the minimal energy that you may it's, have on the It's side. worth it. It's yeah. hard. It's so hard, but it's so worth it. Yes, absolutely. Don't, yeah, I, I just hate, I hated that feeling of feeling trapped with nothing on the horizon. Oh, yeah. And even though I was exhausted, putting in that work to try to find something new, it just gets you, you will just, it'll be repaid tenfold, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. put in the work, do it when you're tired. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I've been out of my job now for a while, and I can say, like, maybe I won't go back to nursing someday. Um, but I think this break is what I really needed. Yeah. I needed a step back. I was so burnt out and I couldn't give my best self to my workplace or my patients. And now I, I do feel like I am in a better place. Well, my baby's due very soon, yeah. <laughs> but, um, who knows, like who knows what the future holds. Um, yeah. and I think the step back was really warranted for me. So step I'm really back, glad I did it. Step back gives a new perspective. Yeah. Um, even if maybe you're just like doing something else for a little while, you can have, cause like I would have never looked back and been able to see the red flags that I saw, uh, not being on this side of things, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, if you can have, if you can find a way to make it work, to make it, take a step back for a second, like maybe just do, do something that you just might enjoy and we'll give you a paycheck for a while. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you can still enter back into that field if you want to, but sometimes, yeah. I mean, people burn out. People are maybe in the, in a great field, but not the right, you know, 
bosses or coworkers or supervision, all that stuff. So it's like, don't feel like that door has to be closed. You just might yeah. need to see it from a different angle. Absolutely. Don't get caught yeah. in the scarcity mindset that you're in the only job that's out there for you. Or yeah. if you leave the profession for now, you'll never be able to find a way back in. The world is so complicated yeah. and everything is about relationships, who mm-hmm. you know. It's all about what opportunity is showing up at the right time. Don't limit yourself because you're afraid of being without some sort of situation or opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to remove yourself from something if after all of the considerations, seeking yeah. wise counsel, right. prayer if you're the praying type, if after all of that you still feel like it's a wise decision, making that big step to leave is okay. Yeah. So we'll get off our soapboxes now. Um, We believe in you. (laughs) Yes. So I have an Instagram, and on that Instagram... It's very fun, by the way. Can I say? Yes, you can say that. When everything pops up, I always love it. I love interacting with it. I think it's very fun. I love watching you talk about things. You're my biggest fan. Um, On my Instagram, you guys wrote in some questions. So we're going to go through those real quick. All right, so let's get into these questions. So we've got a couple that are focused on, like, coworker relationships. Yeah. So the first question we got was, how to not feel like you're betraying your team that you're Mm -hmm. leaving? I feel like you should speak to this one because you were were talking about that. Oh, yeah. I I had a great team. Like, the specials team is, you know, PE, art, music, computer. The library, too. That so. just brought back a flood of nostalgia. I know. Yeah. Just think about, like, d- didn't you love your specials? Like, I love my specials. But um, the fact that they're called specials. Specials. You get to go do something special. Um, so I had an awesome team. Like, we got along so well when we did have to, like, put in work. Like, we had to, pl- we had to plan this thing called, like, morning meeting. And I don't know why they made us plan it, cause, probably because we were specials and we were like, I don't know, fun, I don't know. But, like, we had to, like, work together to plan this meeting and I don't know. We always had so much fun. Mm-hmm. We had to, like, put on shows for the kids, basically. And anyway, it was just great to be with them. And that was that was really hard because I felt like I was letting I was letting them down by leaving. Yeah. And, like, I was like, I forget, like, am I going to lose this these relationships? And um, uh, some were... Some were men, so, you know, it's hard to maybe maintain a, a male-female relationship maybe when you're married or right. just stuff like that. But my, my one of my good friends still was the art, the art teacher. She was the art teacher to my music teacher, which, you know, that makes mm-hmm. sense that we'd be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still great friends. And and she's still there, sadly, and felt a lot of the same feelings that I did. <laughs> I mean, it is. We, we, you know, we get to talk about life and keep up with each other and all that stuff. But, like, we do. I do always chat with her about you know her position and and um encourage her you know maybe there's something else out there and all that stuff but Mm -hmm. she's a really really great teacher and she's really really good for the kids so I'm really glad she's still there um and the kids are really glad she's still there but yeah I think it's if you if they're your friends now they should still be your friends after you know Mm -hmm. it's not I, I think I was afraid I was like oh my gosh if I tell her I'm gonna leave like how will we be friends anymore? You know, she's going to hate me. And that, I just didn't find that to be the case. If, if you have a true friendship there. Yeah. Um, and if anything, she's been like one of the most supportive people with me starting my new adventure. And, um, yeah, we just, we don't see each other a ton. Like we see each other every day, you know, but we see each other probably I'd say once or, you know, every few months. And, uh, and it just, it's like nothing has skipped a beat. Like she's just the best. And, um, 
Yeah, so I, I would say if they're truly your friends, like, at work, and you consider them your friend, not just your coworker, they will continue to be your friend after. And, right. you know, and if, if they're good people around you, like, I think we I think we said in the first episode, you know, you need to, to discern who you're telling these things to and your feelings to because you don't want it to, like, be twisted against you and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Everything's so diplomatic in the workplace. But mm-hmm. um, if you've got those good people you can trust at work um, and you consider them friends, it's highly unlikely they would not be your friend after. Yeah, and I think they wouldn't try to say that you're betraying them yeah. by leaving if they really care about you. Right. I can understand, though. Like, nursing is a team sport, for yeah, sure. Yeah, um, You have very close relationships with your coworkers, and it definitely can feel like when you're leaving that you are kind of, like, leaving them to fend without you. Yeah, I yeah. think for me, I just kind of had to realize, like... I'm replaceable. <laughs> like, I... That's hard to admit. <laughs> I mean, not for me, but... Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty replaceable. Like, they will move on without me. That mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily a huge struggle for me, but I can understand in some other work environments yeah. how um, if you really provide a very unique role yeah. um, to your team, how that could be a challenge, worrying about betraying them. But ultimately, I think that's pressure that no one should be putting on you because if if you're leaving because it's not the right fit then you have to be able to drown out any of those voices that say oh you're betraying your team they'll find someone else it's not your responsibility to take care of them it's your responsibility to do the best job that you can when you have that job but it's also your responsibility to figure out what's best for you right so I don't think it's on you um, if you're thinking that you're going to betray your team, yeah. you're probably not going to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, totally. And then, yeah, the next question, you kind of answered this one. You know, how do you maintain relationships with good coworkers after you leave? Just put in the effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If, if, they, if they matter to you, you're not seeing them every day. So you really actually have to, like, start treating it like a real friendship yeah. where you – not that it's not a real friendship, but you have, to like, a built-in friendship because you see each other. Like, it's like when you go to school with somebody, you know? Yeah. So it's like putting in that effort to maintain the relationship mm-hmm. and um, and then try not to talk about work or your horrible situation every time you're together. It will come up. It, you, it pretty much always does. Commiserating is healthy. Right. Well, that's <laughs> what like puts you together too. Yeah, yeah. That was your first common factor. But then it's like, let's make sure we move on and like talk about other things. Yeah, too. absolutely. I, I would say kind of the same thing. Make time for and prioritize it. And know that it's going to take more intention. Yeah. Um, It's a good thing. Yeah, it is definitely a good thing. Okay, so the next question is just around relationships. So it says, who did you seek for help when Mm -hmm. you were, you know, making these decisions? And we did speak to this some, um, but I would just kind of summarize it in saying, I reached out. My parents' opinion was actually important to me. And for someone like me, that's kind of surprising. (laughs) But um, it was because... A lot of these values that I have to work really hard and not be a quitter came from them. Right. So I, I, I talked to my parents a little bit about it, but I would say mostly trusted friends. Yeah. Um, and other nurses mm-hmm. was really important. And people who are in different life stages was also really important. I'm the kind of person, though, I will involve anyone yeah. in my yeah. baggage. Like yeah. Not like, yeah, I'm not going to just, you know, unload on anyone, but like, I love gathering people's opinions. So I would talk about it with people who 
um, were young parents because I knew I wanted to be a parent soon. I would talk about it with you because yeah. you're there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you've been through something similar. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, the question, who did you seek for help? Uh, everyone. everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you? Well, I'm definitely different in that I, and I, I think I talked about this um, in the last one, but, and I'm working on it, but I'm a very, I'm pretty like, um, I want to show everybody that I look really good from the outside. And like I said, I know it's not a good thing. I'm really working on it. The way I look today sitting across from you just speaks to, <laughs> to that. Uh, if you can see, if you, you obviously can't see me, but I'm uh, unshowered in a baseball cap and no makeup on, which is a very different li- uh, girl than the Southern Belle that moved here five years ago that would not leave the house without concealer and lipstick. <laughs> Jennifer Higginbotham, my mother, instilled that in me. Anyway, what's the, what's the question? So the question is, who did you seek for help? <laughs> well, my mom, Jennifer Higginbotham, thank you. Well, uh, my so mom, Jen, my dad. Jen has received some heat for making you a Southern Belle and a big thank you. Yes, yes. What a classic know. mom relationship. Sounds like, yeah, sounds like a mother-daughter relationship. <laughs> Can't wait to see what uh, little Annie here on the floor and, and mine's will be like. Okay, anyway, back to the question. Uh, my parents, um, <laughs> cracked me up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is what no sleep does to you. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> my parents and, uh, my husband, of course. Um, oh yeah. My husband too. Yes. Yes. And those are the main people that just got the earful all the time. Um, and that just encouraged me to look for something else. But then I did start, I was starting to form a really close relationship with people in my community group. Um, so I, I finally felt comfortable be, being vulnerable with them and kind of letting them in on what's going on. Whoop for vulnerability. So good. So good, man. I am learning that it is, I, I still am learning this, but man, it's being vulnerable with people is so good. It and takes more strength to be vulnerable than it does to keep it all inside. It does. Fully it does. And, and I'll say it helps no one to appear like you have it all together. That's why I said boo. Yeah, it I gives, know. <laughs> it gives everybody this idea that if they're the person being vulnerable, yeah. they're messed up and no one else is. And right. Like, that happens to me a lot. I get insecure <laughs> about that. I'm like, why, why does everybody else have it together? What's going on with me? Well, they don't. So. And you know that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Side track. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, it's mostly that. I, I, like I said, at that point in my life, I wasn't as like as open and vulnerable as I've learned to be now. Um, so yeah, my parents' opinion meant a lot to me. I think because of exactly what you said, they they raised me and put those values in me. Um, I was actually yeah, I kind of kept it to myself too because I didn't. I had a really good friend, like one of my best friends from college. We were in the same music program. And I wouldn't tell her really what was going on. I wouldn't tell her how miserable I was. I would just kind of make her think that I was having a great time. Because she had, she was in a music, she's still a great music teacher. She's an amazing music teacher. And she's still having a great time, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's not me. And I just don't want her to know. Yeah. And yeah, so, there's like some shame, I feel like, associated with that. Yeah. So I was like, I almost kind of wanted to keep it real secret. But um, I don't suggest that. I suggest... I suggest letting good people in that you know um, will give you good counsel, and that can really speak in. But yeah, be selective on who those are. But absolutely, yeah. For me, it yeah. was my you know some a few ladies in my community group, um, my husband and my parents. Yeah. Um, so 
Which are, which is fine if you want to keep it small and keep your circle small and helpful. So yeah, I think um, more than one person for sure, and definitely people from a couple different spheres in your life. Right, is yeah. important. Too. You don't want to just have like the one voice, mm-hmm. you know, in the one situation talking to you about it. That's yes. that's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we've got a few practical Sorry, questions mom. here. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a few practical questions here. So number one, was it the work itself or the environment? How to discern mm. the differences? Um, I think for me, it was definitely the specialty that I was in. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was so much the environment. Like, I really appreciated my coworkers. Mm-hmm. We worked as a really good team. And... Yeah, so I think that is an easier decision probably than the latter, where it's like, I like the work, but I just don't like the environment. What yeah. do I do? Yeah. Um, and I think the way to discern the difference is to be able to kind of pinpoint what is it that's draining me and making me want to leave? Is yeah. it is it the actual work? Is it the tasks? Like, you got to break it down to what you're doing hour by hour, I would say. Yeah. And figure out what was it that was draining to me today? Mm-hmm. Was it Susie across the hall who just is making my life miserable? Or was it sitting at the computer all day when I feel like I've got to, you know, yeah. be able to move around, like right. things like that. I, I think breaking it down to the very, very practical, small parts of your day will help you be able to see the bigger picture. Is it the environment or is it the work? Yeah. No, I think that's really good because I think I, I don't, I wasn't as like reflective as that, you know, it's just, I felt like everything was horrible. But now when I look back, I think for me, at least, it was environment and, like, things that were being put on me. Um, and, like like we said earlier, it was, like, I didn't want to be trapped. I wanted to have a little bit more autonomy on my day. I wanted to be a little bit more creative. And um, But I still love being with kids, and I still loved teaching, and I still do that, you know? And mm-hmm. that's my favorite part of my job mm-hmm. still. So I still – so I think maybe if the environment was different, maybe I, maybe I would have stuck with teaching music, but I don't – I don't even know that. I mean, I think I definitely had some red flags I ignored even in my studies in college um, on that. But, yeah, I think if I could have been, even maybe if I'm talking about from job one where I was with kids, but, you know, environment wasn't right, to job two with kids, but environment's not right. If If I could have looked in between those and been like, okay, I, I love working with kids. I really do. I enjoy that. But here are the things that I don't like. I might could have avoided the next thing, you know? I think it was just I was so focused on this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to find this job. But I think if I was a little, had a little bit more discernment of, like, your, what you said, like sitting down and thinking about, okay, what about this do I like? What about this do I not like? What's that going to look like in the next job? Is that the right fit for me? I could have avoided, you know, this whole situation. I think I kind of, like, I didn't, I wasn't specifically thinking about that process when I was finding my new position. But I guess if I look back, that's kind of what I was doing. Yeah. Of, like, what do I like about what I do now? What are my skills that I have that I can transfer? And what do I not like about it? Like, you know, because now I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm teaching kids, but I go around, I drive around and go to, get to go to different schools and grab a coffee in between, you know? It's Sonic. Like, or Sonic. <laughs> well, still lots of Sonic. My husband's always like, that is not a business expense. That's not a business expense. <laughs> and I'm like, write it off, write it off for meals, meals. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully my accountant stops <laughs> to this. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think I, 
I guess I'm kind of verbally processing this, but I guess that was kind of what I was also doing and I think would be helpful. Like, do I like the work? Do I like aspects of the work? And how can I, like, do the things that I like? But you know, mix in a little bit yeah. more, better environment. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's good. That's a good question. That It is a good question. I, I think it's that sort of analysis that will help you figure out if you're, if you are in the wrong job, what yeah. the next step is, is yeah. what, what can I take away from this? Um, that, that would be helpful. So, okay. Next question. We got two more. Did you start looking for jobs before you quit? I did. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't be afraid to do that. Um, don't do it, like, on your work computer. Yeah. Wait, I probably was doing it on my work computer. It was a laptop, though, you know. I was not. I, I, I remember feeling afraid, though. Yeah. I was afraid. Um, oh, yeah, someone might walk in or, or well, hear what you're doing. Or, well, I... I guess I, you're not... You weren't searching at work. No, I, I was. I had no time to search at work, but... Um, <laughs> I was I was afraid mm-hmm. to be applying for anything else because they they ask for your manager's contact information. That's true. So, but ultimately, like, I think having an open conversation with your manager is a really good step in leaving your job and finding something better. Even if your manager ends up not being super supportive like mine was, um, the fact that I was, you know, applying for this position in a different part of the hospital and stuff, at least let her know. Like, yeah. Well, because some people might appreciate that. Some people might might make things work. I guess you got to look at who you're under, you know. Surely if you've worked with them, you kind of know their personality, their tics and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely consider whether or not you should let them know first. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, I had a very corporate relationship with my manager. She wasn't – I didn't really have a relationship with her. So um, that's kind of what I chose to do. But, yeah, I – I think looking while you're while you're still employed is totally fine. Yeah, just got to figure out who, which relationships that's going to impact, and like I said, if you want to brief them before you start applying, yeah, or if you feel like the best way to go about it is just start applying and let everything happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely like situational. Yeah. Of, you know, because I know, like, I think if if Cody he works in like finance, so if he were to say, "I'm looking for another job," I think they would be like, because he knows like you know, special behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think he's told me, I think that they're like, okay, well then this is your last day. So oh. goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, depends so, on the situation. Yeah. Heather and I did start looking for jobs before. Oh we yeah. Left, but yeah. I'd be like, I'm supposed to be planning for next week, but I'm definitely looking for a new job right now. <laughs> I hope nobody walks in and looks at this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, luckily I had a lot of, I had a lot of support from my, yes. my manager. No, that's everything. <laughs> yeah. All right, last question is, what finalized the decision? Mm. Um, I feel like I hit on this as well, but I'll just kind of summarize it again and just say what finalized it for me was reflecting on all of the analysis that I had done. And I, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram type six. No decision is made, not very thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Well. I have a very strong seven wing, so maybe it's half and half, <laughs> but no decision like this would ever go yeah. um, without significant analysis. And so for me, I knew that was trusting my wise counsel. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, did I do that? Check. Have I been praying about this? Check. Um, and, you know, for, for other reasons, am I sure that this is the right decision? Like, am I, am I sure that um, I'm ready to walk away from this and mm-hmm. close potentially close this door? You know, asking those hard questions of, how this may realistically impact your future, um, knowing that you're okay with those consequences and stuff too. Yeah. So all of my analysis led me to feel 
piece as much as I could. It mm-hmm. still felt like a risk. It yeah. still felt oh, it is. very nerve-wracking. I'm pretty sure I sent the email. Like, I, I had to do it when I wasn't thinking about it. I did it, like, 5 a.m. on, like, a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise I would just get so nervous and tense about doing it. And then yeah. I just would for, not forget. I just wouldn't do it because yeah. I'd be too scared. So, um yeah, I think that's what finalized the decision for me, but it didn't make it an easy decision. No. Oh, my gosh, no. Yeah. I don't think it would ever be. I don't know, unless there's, like, a really bad situation. Like, like, like you're maybe in harm or something. We're and you're like, you gotta get <laughs> She's the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it's similar to that. I kind of, I was like, okay, did I give this a fair shot? And, that, and then I looked back to you, and I was like, okay, I've had two jobs in, in like a classroom and like you know doesn't seem to be working well for me right um did I have did I have a lot of support I did have a lot of support whether that was like people saying you know I I think you can find something better for you like here's how I'm, I want to help you look for things or like I'm gonna keep my ear out or so I had I had support felt supported um I felt supported by my husband um that he said okay we can you know we can figure out a way to make this work financially. Like, let's just see if we can find you something new. Um, and, yeah, like, ultimately just lots of prayer. And um, because I run I run my life through the Lord, just lots of prayer. And, yeah, just like you said, as much peace as you could feel about leaving. Mm-hmm. I just kind of came to that conclusion of, like, I am miserable here. There is no way I can continue with my life this way. Um, and I need to make a change. And I'm scared about that change. I'm very scared because mm-hmm. I'm also an Enneagram 6, but I wing 5. So I'm a, like a researcher, like, you know, very calculated. Like I need to do these things. And mm-hmm. so it was terrifying. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, um, but risk comes with risk comes great reward. Yeah. You know? it's, it's okay to do it afraid. That's yeah. something oh, that yeah. I learned that year for sure. Oh, yeah. Totally. And good things come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, just looking at everything, weighing all my options. It wasn't, yeah, you're right. It's the same as you. It wasn't just a, like, I'm two months and I'm like, wow, I hate this. Gotta go, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, it was just, like, ultimately, like, I cannot continue living my life this way. Mm-hmm. It will affect my marriage. It will affect a future family. It will affect everything in my life, friendships, all that stuff. And it was, like, a paycheck's not worth, not that, like, this paycheck, that I should say, this paycheck is not worth that to me. Right. So. Absolutely. Bye. <laughs> on that note, bye. On, yeah, on all those notes, goodbye. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Heather. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Thanks for coming in to yes. my house. Um, the baby did a great job sleeping. She did. In case I'm anyone so was worried. <laughs> but. I was like, do I need to check if she's breathing? She's being so peaceful. Well, this was really good. And I hope this answered all of y'all's questions. If you have any more questions for Heather or I, we are happy to answer. Just send me a little DM on Insta at Tori.Let'sBeFriends. Baby seems to be waking up, actually. Yeah, so I think this is perfect timing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're, we're always happy to share it, though. It's, it's a really hard thing to go through. It yeah. was a very difficult thing for me, for Heather, and I'm sure for so many of you who are, you know, messaging me about this. Yeah. It sucks. And it's I, a terrible place to be. I'm so sorry. I'll say that something that I've learned, too, and something that actually was from our sermon from the other week is, like, sometimes mm-hmm. your suffering is meant for others flourishing. Um, so, you know, I went through something really hard that was really awful, but 
I'm able to, I was able to talk with Tori about it when she was going through something really hard. And now we can talk about it with you guys. And yeah. uh, it doesn't make that time any easier. But just please know that, like, it, it could be beneficial for someone to hear yes. your story and how you've made it through to the other side. Yeah. So. Suffering is pretty much never in vain. Yeah. So be encouraged in that. Yeah. Be encouraged in the fact that we both found ways out of our jobs and many other people have mm-hmm. in our generation. Um, but, yeah. We're, we're here for you if you have any more questions. And just know it sucks and we're sorry. Yes. <laughs> but you'll get through it. Yes. And I really do believe that if you're in this situation, you're going to find something. Totally. Find some better fit. But we got to go because this baby is going to wake up. Yeah. All right. Ta-ta. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs>